The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Amsterdam. Alright, we're recording. Uh, We are on your birthday holiday, which is vacation if you're an American. We're on birthday vacation. In Amsterdam, uh, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, my name is Lola Slider. Why do you always turn your voice down so tiny when we start talking on the microphone? This is how I sound okay. all the time. All right. I don't know what you what you mean. All right, make it so. <laughs> this should be the, the point where you feel it's appropriate to introduce yourself. You make it sound like when we're not recording a podcast, I'm like, hey, Ryan. Like, isn't that weirdly loud? Well, yeah, when you shout. Yeah. Okay, anyway, who are you? My name's Lola Slider, and I'm a professional body piercer and studio owner from Glasgow, Scotland. My shop is Forest Piercing, um, and right now we're in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Um, taking a few days off, and my studio is in the capable hands of my apprentice, Jordan, and my co-piercer, Becca, who it looks like are doing a great job from what I can tell from Do you Amsterdam. intentionally hire people where their first initial and last initial are the same? You know, I realized that the other day, that they're JJ and BB, and then I felt kind of rubbish that mine mine don't match. Okay. Well, you could change your name to Lola Lider. Lola Lider? Or like Slola Slider. <laughs> I quite like Slola Slider. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's uh, Ryan Roulette and Slola Slider coming to you silent. from <laughs> Amsterdam. And we were originally going to talk about some apprenticeship stuff. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. But I think uh, a conversation just kind of fell into our lap this morning. It did. From a post that we saw in the APP Members Only Forum on Facebook. And someone posted that they were kind of frustrated, kind of disappointed with um, piercers basically saying, like, no, we're not comfortable taking out your jewelry to put in retainers. No, we're not comfortable doing downsizes unless um, we're we're doing a full jewelry sale. So we're happy to downsize your piercing if you get a new backing and a new front. Otherwise, it's not really something that we have the time for, have the interest for. And I can completely get how that scenario could be frustrating. And if people phrase it that way, like, yes, I, I can understand the frustration in a way, but from, from my perspective as a piercer, business owner, especially with very limited services available in a day, um, I, I kind of interpreted it differently. And I, I would like to kind of talk about what might make me say, no, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable doing your downsize, I'm not able to do your downsize, or the same thing with, with retainers. So what, what are your thoughts on that? And I want to kind of gradually ease into it because we have we have actual notes that we prepared for this episode. Ryan has notes. I, I have notes that I, I prepared have tea. for the episode. She has tea that I prepared mow. for her. Yes. Well, um, like with most things, you know, 
you and me, our you and brains I. just fire away yeah. um, a bunch of scenarios whenever we're presented with any kind of problem um, or any kind of issue. And so pretty much straight away, we were kind of like, well, consider this or this or this. And there are so many sides to it. It's actually a more complicated subject than just a yes, I do that or no, I don't do that. And I already have a whole section on this particular subject on my website. So I already had kind of fully formed thoughts about it beforehand. Um, so we thought it would be an interesting conversation to kind of talk about some of those caveats and considerations. I'm definitely in agreement that just kind of shutting the door on a client physically or metaphorically is not only bad for business, but it's not necessarily showing the kind of spirit that you want for your tiny corner of the industry or my tiny corner of the industry. But conversely, you know, there are two sides to every story and it certainly wouldn't be the first time that someone had embellished the truth in a certain way to create a certain picture. So we don't really know what it was that happened. Um, and we're talking about clients embellishing things. I wouldn't want to say that it was really the, the poster because they probably right. had a, like a narrow window and they didn't really oh, yeah, give absolutely. full details and context. Basically, one of the things they said is that a client contacted and said, hey, you know, I've tried six other studios who all turned me away. But I think part of it is we want to talk about why we, we might have been Studio 7 and Studio 8 that also said no and why. Yeah. But let's get into it. Okay. After you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's start with retainers. Okay. So... Um, after the worst of COVID lockdowns, I noticed a, a really a flood of people that were contacting our studio saying, I have an MRI scheduled, I need all of my jewelry taken out, I need retainers put in everything. And I was also noticing that almost none of those people went to the website and booked a jewelry change appointment. We have a, a, a self-book option on the website. Hey, we call it Body Jewelry Sales and Service. And not everything is a sale. Sometimes they are just services. We're happy to change jewelry if it's something that they previously got from our studio. We are happy to sell them new jewelry, sell them retainer, whatever they might need, but it needs to be scheduled because there's time that goes into it. There's time to sterilize things, certainly time to remove, install, paperwork, all those different things. Um, now, a lot of the people that were contacting our studio, Precision Body Arts, Nashville, New Hampshire, contacting us for that specific service of, I need all my stuff taken out for an MRI, I need retainers put in. Almost all of those people would call us the day before their MRI appointment. They wouldn't have an appointment. We would already be fully booked for the day, and they would really be like kind of hostile about it. Like, what do you mean you don't have time? It's so simple. And it's like, well, if it's so simple, why can't you do it yourself? If it's not that simple, that means that there is something that goes into it, which we need to have a, a, you know, a reservation for, basically, so that we have the time. In my studio, we're still fairly limited because of you know, personal reasons. We do have limitations in how many services we can offer in a day. Our staff are human beings. They have families. They have children. They have responsibilities. And it's not something where I can say, hey, you have to stay late and you have to do this thing for someone that didn't schedule. I understand that some MRIs are, are scheduled with um, very little notice for the people, you know, especially if there's a long wait for an MRI service. But still, we can't just shove somebody into our appointment day, um, you know, and, unless we have a cancellation or a light day or something. So we run into that scenario all the time. But then it also gets to this extra layer of complication that you were talking about, where it's not just, okay, take out my jewelry and put in a retainer. 
it's okay what happens next what happens when they come back and then they want jewelry reinstalled so why don't you talk about that a little bit well just to kind of tag on to what you were saying about availability that was another thing that we discussed earlier was how for for me certainly um, and probably for you as well it's not a huge deal if occasionally and it's this is quite often for both of us I think we stay late at the end of the day we say look well I'm finishing up at this time why don't you just come down then and I'll just see you before I go home we do those situations all the time or cutting um, our lunch breaks short to get people in all kinds of stuff so much so that in the instance that you actually say no people do tend to get quite upset I don't know if it's because they're not used to it but if you have a limited amount of time to squeeze in extra things and take on extra tasks, it isn't totally unreasonable in my mind to prioritize your clients. So for example, if you have a a series of inquiries in a day and you have one or two regular customers who need help and assistance with something and you have another inquiry from somebody who's never visited the studio before that you don't know, I don't think it's completely unrealistic to say, I'm, I'm gonna have to prioritize people that have patronized my business because at the end of the day, like they are supporting your business financially. Well, also the people um, that have already taken the time to schedule an appointment. Yeah, exactly. You can't take time away from them. So I just think that for, for piercers in particular that have pets, that have dogs they need to take out, that have children they need to pick up, that have trains and buses they need to catch that could only run once an hour, it does get a bit more complicated to be like, well, it'll just take an extra 10 minutes. It'll just take an extra 15 minutes. You know, we've both been in those situations where something that should have taken an extra five or 10 minutes actually turns into a 45 minute long thing that you've then committed to. So I think sometimes it's a little bit unfair to say, well, I don't care what the situation is. I will find time for this person. I will fit this person in. It's wonderful that you have that level of flexibility, but not everybody does. Or staffing, like not every studio has multiple piercers, multiple counter people, multiple piercing rooms, multiple, you know, whatever, they don't have the capability. Right, so I wouldn't like to be judgmental of a studio that said, I can't find space for this because I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what their personal situation is or what their work situation is. I know what I can do and what I can manage and I'll try my best to see as many people as possible, especially in situations where in the UK, for example, you can get a day's notice that your MRI is taking place or it can get postponed for months. So you do have to be very, very flexible with those things. So there are situations where someone genuinely may not have been able to book an appointment and this information's just been dumped on them. Sure. You know, that does happen. But even then, I I think that the, the scheduling of obligations in terms of what you can manage and when, that's gonna vary from person to person and studio to studio. So it, it probably isn't isn't the best thing to be very judgmental of different people's situations when you don't know what's going on with them. And just to clarify, both you and I and you know the staff members in our studios and all that stuff, we have bent over backwards for people just so often. Like I can't even keep track of how many times that you know, you said that you're trying to squeeze in one or two people at the end of the day who didn't, you know, have an opportunity to book in or whatever. I can't even imagine like the amount of times in just like the last, I don't know, three months that Evan has cut his lunch break short or that, you know, Lily has tried to kind of juggle someone between the the front counter and the, the piercing room trying to get in that 13th client on a 12 appointment day or, or, you know, whatever your system is. Like, you know, we're not saying to be cold hearted and like too bad, so sad you didn't have an appointment. 
but it's not always as simple as like, yeah, sure, just come on in. You know, like not every studio can accommodate, yeah, sure, just come on in. Well, uh, that, you know, not to not to just go down a hole of, yeah. you know, complaining about things. Sure. That kind of cracked open a whole conversation of all of the various factors that might crop up mm-hmm. um, when you do say, okay, like, I'll see you. Um, there are then a lot of other things that can happen um, that, need to be dealt with in their own specific way as well like these situations aren't are, are rarely as streamlined and straightforward as they're as they're represented as mm-hmm. um, so we were kind of discussing what some of those offshoots are and these are the things that I've already had to work out and have like on my website and I know that we've talked about them as be- as well what your policies are for handling work that you didn't do jewelry that you didn't sell First, Lola, I would love to have that conversation with you, but I would <laughs> yeah. like to mention that I have lots of new content available. Really? At patreon.com slash RyanPBA. Well, that's, that's a, it's funny that you would mention that. Um, you will be featured in a, a, new, vid, uh, a new video that will be coming out uh, later this very month. Really? In, in March of 2023. Lola has uh, submitted a, a video to me of, of her piercing a forward helix on... Uh, Jordan from from her studio, her apprentice, and uh, it's really interesting because my studio. I, I think if if you've heard me talk about it before, I'm very tool based. I do lots of stuff tool free, but the tools that I use are meant to be processed. We have a processing room in my studio. Um, you are more of a, a disposable mentality. Tool free wasn't possible, um, but you know a lot of the tools and implements that you're using are meant to be disposed of. So. You sent me a, a video of you piercing Jordan's forward helix with a, a fully disposable method. And then uh, the last trip where I came to see you, we also recorded a, an extra little segment about you demonstrating how you would reverse direction. You know, if you pierce from the front to the back, how can you install the jewelry from the back to the front but without having to use a taper? So mm-hmm. you demonstrate doing that with um, disposable needle bl- uh, blanks and, and connector pins. and. I think it'll be a really helpful video. You also recorded a voiceover for it, so it'll be a, a full video, kind of like the ones that you would come to expect from from me personally. But uh, it's featuring you. Uh huh. <laughs> Thank you. That's very um, <laughs> good. I, I can say as well from being on the other side of things that Ryan has very high standards for these videos. So. Hopefully you enjoy what we were able to produce together. Yeah, I, I made you do lots of takes. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the multiple takes. It's that I had to take my glasses off because they were making the light catch the lenses. Mm-hmm. So I had to take my glasses off and then I couldn't see. And I was uh, watching the video back to do the voiceover. And I couldn't really see what I was doing in the video. So I was just trying to kind of guess what I would be doing and being like right here it looks like I'm doing I'm doing something I'm poking the ear and oh no that's me piercing the ear that's so it took a couple of times for it to not sound like that so it doesn't sound like that but it it very nearly did so well you did great thank you Uh, and that video should be put together sometime during you know March 2023 Uh, I also just published a new video part two of um, jewelry tips and tricks for working with rings I, I explained the difference between steel-tipped ring openers and brass-tipped ring openers, working with steel rings versus titanium rings versus niobium rings. And I also show a really handy trick for uh, installing a a captive bead ring, a a ball closure ring, without having to torque or bend or open the ring at all. A really helpful trick for people there. So, you know, go ahead and check it out, patreon.com slash RyanPBA. And I have so much other stuff in the pipeline for the next two to three months. I have a, a few genital piercing videos 
I have an eight gauge pubic piercing. I recorded a geesh. I recorded a frenum piercing. Um, so I have a lot of content coming down the pipeline. Oh, and I just published a whole video about eyebrow piercings that a lot of people said has been very helpful. So go ahead and check that stuff out. So back to our conversation, I wanted to talk about maybe some of those things that would make us say no to someone. I'm sorry, I can't do that jewelry change for you. So um, what are some of the things that, what are some of the factors where you would say, I'm sorry, I, I can't take care of that jewelry change for you and kind of specifically talking about downsizes or retainers? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I don't like to have any kind of a policy that just shuts the door on someone's face and says no. So instead, my website section on this, I can't remember exactly what it's labeled as, but it'll, it'll be something like, I've been pierced somewhere else, can Forrest help me? And, you know, the answer is yes, there are just a couple of things that we need to consider. One of them is age. I'm an adults only studio and that doesn't necessarily change for things like jewellery changes and downsizes. There are certain situations where, where we've assisted with downsizes and things of that nature um, and we've performed you know health checks and that kind of thing but generally if it's someone that's under the age of 16 I'm going to recommend that they email across some images of the piercing so that we can have a look and consult with them by email because it might not be something that we're able to assist with not being able to accept the liability of working on a minor so that would be a big one there are also going to be things like um, if the piercing was done elsewhere if it's less than a month old the only service we can offer is removal I mean we can offer a health check as well um, but we don't offer jewelry changes on piercings that are less than a month old and that's because I've just had too many instances in the past where someone has had a piercing done very badly at a very inexpensive place that they've selected to go to and now they're going oh well maybe if I just get some better jewelry put in this you know it'll look better or I've been pierced with jewelry that's too small or or whatever it is that kind of immediate fix up I don't offer that anymore I'll retire the piercing and then once the skin fully heals happy to do it again it's actually not going to cost that much more because most of my costing for piercing is in the jewelry not the service itself so it's really not going to be that much more expensive for a client to retire and redo a piercing but I no longer do the I had this done down the street two weeks ago can you switch the jewelry out for me and the main reason for that is just the chain of liability that it creates I want a solid month between the wound being made and entering my studio to be handled in any way because I think that if someone is coming straight to you from another place there's a real conflict there when it comes to sourcing the liability of who's responsible for an infection that develops around that time period if anything happens with the piercing say for example the few days after I've handled it the original studio will accept no liability and neither will I being that I didn't do the piercing so that's why I have a rule of 30 days, I'm not going to be handling the piercing, changing the jewellery, making alterations. I'll remove the jewellery if you just like to retire it, but I'm not going to be tinkering around with it and changing it and making it look, you know, different or better and altering it because it's accepting liability for work that I did not do and that I can't possibly be liable for in the same way. And I think a lot of people don't think about things like that. If worst case scenario, and, and I, this would never happen in my premises given the way that everything is disposable and single use, but given that someone did contract something like a bloodborne pathogen, 
you want that clear delineation, that clear timeline of who was handling the piercing and when, I think. Yeah, all that makes sense. You know, there there are a lot more problems that we have to say like, I'm sorry, that's not something we can help you with. You're going to have to consult a, a medical practitioner because if someone comes in with a piercing that we didn't do and it's very, very angry, it's very swollen, it's very, you know, you look at a problem and you're like, a jewelry change is not going to fix this problem. This is, you know, potentially an infection or whatever. If we fiddle with it and we just try to sell them a piece of jewelry uh, and then their their problem worsens, we're going to be the ones who are blamed. We are going to be the ones that could potentially be sued. We are going to be the ones who are going to be liable. It's not worth the risk. Um, sometimes people might have an, an issue where it's like, there's no way to save your piercing. We can take it out for you, um, but that's really all about we can, we can do. But, you know, maybe you should consult a medical practitioner first to see if it's safe to have your jewelry removed at this point, if there is an actual infection, etc., etc., etc. But I don't want to go too far down that path. I think we've talked about that on yeah. the, the episode bef- uh, on episodes before, but one thing that I wanted to talk about, I think a lot of this conversation is probably going to be about downsizes, but one thing I wanted to talk about with retainers, a scenario that's really difficult for us is somebody gets pierced somewhere else. They're wearing jewelry from somewhere else. I have no problem taking that jewelry out and replacing it with a retainer, but then that opens up a whole issue of when they want to come back the next day, the next week, and then they want to have their original jewelry put back in. We have to tell somebody before we even touch them at the onset, before they even get to the point where they fill out our release form, if your jewelry is not from us, we cannot reinstall it. If it's externally threaded jewelry, if it's something that can't hold up to our sterilizers, if it's something that can't be fully decontaminated, I don't want to put their gunky jewelry into my sterilizer and contaminate it. So that alone opens up a whole thing. Can this jewelry be ultrasonic? Can this jewelry be processed with an enzymatic solution? Can this jewelry actually be cleaned enough where we can properly sterilize it? And most of the time, the answer is going to be no. So we have to tell them, like, that's really our policy in our studio. We only install jewelry that is sold by us. And that's for a multitude of liability reasons. We can't deal with um, any sort of, you know, issues with external thread jewelry, but also... What happens if the jewelry breaks when we're removing it? Re- removing it, you know, cheap jewelry can break. Cheap jewelry, you know, a, a gem can fall out. Or worse, expensive jewelry. Or can break. worse, expensive jewelry. Yeah, um, that's something that I kind of want to talk about in relation to downsizing. But is there anything else you want to hit on for retainers? Um, just as as you were saying, really, that that is always a conversation you want to have up front is just so you understand we can only install jewelry that's purchased here. So these pieces that I'm taking out for you, you know, please feel free to retain them and wear them again if you wish, but I won't be able to reinsert them for you. We're only able to to insert jewelry that was purchased from ourselves. That includes things like reinsertions as well. And it kind of comes back to that point that you made earlier of sometimes you do get that bit of pushback that's like, why won't you just put them back in? It's it's dead easy. And you're like, well, if it's easy, then do it. You right. know, yeah. that there's always that kind of conflict there. But I think that that's another point as well. Um, it's not necessarily the same as being exploitative and saying you have to buy new jewelry. You yeah. have to purchase these new things with me. That's very different from saying I can't be liable for inserting metal into your body that I haven't sourced. Mm-hmm because it's an important part and this would be for me and maybe for other studios in different areas I don't know but for my liability insurance for my licensing I have to be able to produce a receipt for the equipment that I put in your body that I bought that's important 
even if it's a similar brand from someone else, that's not the same as me having sourced it and me having a receipt for it. Yeah. Uh, another headache that, that comes up pretty often in these MRI scenarios is um, these, these are almost always going to be two visits and they're almost always going to be two visits that have not been booked through our website. If someone's thoughtful enough to call us first and ask, hey, what can you do for me? I'll say, okay, go ahead and book appointment, appointment number one to have your jewelry taken out and retainers put in. But then also go ahead and book appointment number two for us to take your retainer out and put something else back in if you would like us to do that. But please be aware we only install jewelry sold from our studio. Um, and, and you know, we really just have to kind of like, we have to draw a line somewhere. Also, something that can get a little bit sticky is we have to charge a service fee for all the services that we perform. I'm not saying it's going to be a $100 visit every time. Sometimes it's just $5 or $10, but I pay my staff an hourly fee because they are professionals. So does that mean that I am just going to be paying them the hourly fee without making any income on that service on that time? And if so, like there eventually will be no studio for you to come into to have these services done like we have to charge and like I know that some of this stuff seems cold and over overly calculated but like I'm sorry I'm running a business you know like I have to be able to pay my people a fair wage I have to be able to pay my bills I have to be able to pay for my utilities all the disposable supplies I'm going to use all the everything that goes into it you know um, retainers I charge about $15 for a glass retainer and if you think that like that $15 glass retainer is going to be like basically close to an hour of services. If I'm sterilizing things, they're waiting, they're coming in. My body jewelry sales and service appointment is 25 minutes. Times two is 50 minutes, close to an hour. I'm paying staff. Um, so the retainer is not really generating a lot of, uh, of, of profit, of, of income. So I do have to charge a fair service fee to account for all the time and the materials that go into it. And all those things just get like really frustrating having to explain those things to a lot of clients who don't see any value in it. They see it as, oh, it's so simple. Oh, it's so simple. Oh, just get me in. It'll only take five minutes. And it's like, no, no, no. It will only take you five minutes. It will take us 50 minutes. And like, you know, who pays for that time? And I'm, I'm sorry to sound so cold and calculated, but I'm running a business. I think that that's something that has changed a lot for a lot of small business owners over the past few years is we've been in a position where we've been squeezed to breaking point by, especially in the UK, rising tax, rising business rates, rising rent, quadrupling energy bills. And that that extra money has to come from somewhere and it's been coming from us, it's been coming out of our wages and, and from our part of the business. Um, and the tiny, tiny increases in price that we've been able to just squeeze through because clients are really struggling as well so there's a limit to how much you can charge people for simple services and I, I charge now a small fee for a health check which is not something that I've ever done before and it was because the cost of PPE got so great during COVID and, and since then it has gotten a little bit better but it became so expensive that we couldn't just write it off anymore. We couldn't just say oh it's practically nothing it's fine. We had to implement a small charge for it and that small charge doesn't cover the rent for that time period that I'm doing that particular service. I, I still lose money on it. It's just something to help fill that little gap. And I think that's what, what people do sometimes struggle to understand. So that's why we offer more services by email now because it's free for you and mm -hmm. we're happy to do them all day. And you can but do that in like, you know, spare time, filler time, squeeze yeah. it in. But if you're physically in the premises, 
just consider how incredibly expensive it is to maintain a brick and mortar premises in any part of a town or city that's in any way pleasant um, or or safe, you know? Some studios, you know, like I, I know that you've done it. I know that Gamma has done it. I know that a few other studios have done it where you've really broken down like to the minute, what does it cost me to do this service? If you have to look at, okay, what is my rent averaged out per day? What are the cost of my utilities averaged out per day? And then you look at that average day and you say, okay, I'm open six hours, eight hours, 12 hour shifts. You can really average it down to like, how much does it cost per minute to offer client services? And like, you know, it might sound silly, but I'm sorry, that's the world we live in. Costs go up. The value of our service needs to go up with it, but I don't wanna go too far down that hole because like the value of your service as far as like an actual dollar amount, that's gonna vary depending on the city, state, market, whatever you're in, all these different factors that are unique to your studio. But this is like what I was saying, it's such a tangential subject, it kinda just goes everywhere. Sure, yeah. But to get back to what you were talking about um, originally, downsizing, Yes. So for, for anybody that happens to be listening that doesn't know, explain what downsizing is. Okay, so like let's imagine a really common piercing you might need to downsize with like some sort of level of urgency would be like, let's say a helix piercing. I think we all know the kind of issue of like, you know, uh, the, the initial jewelry is left in too long and that can start to have negative effects on the piercing. It can start to tilt over time. You can start to get pressure bumps. You can start to have issues. So it is a good idea to educate your clientele of, you know, you might want to have it downsized at X amount of time, and that's something that we can do for you. Or if you're a student, if you're traveling, if you live somewhere other than where you got the piercing, maybe we can refer you to another studio that we can trust to do that same service. Now that is such a huge and sticky and complicated scenario. Um, I remember quite a while ago, there were points where like a client would come in and they'd say, oh, I got pierced at such and such studio. And they said, if I ever needed a jewelry change or whatever to come see you. And I I used to take that as a huge compliment. Oh great, this studio trusts me to take care of their client and and vice versa. If I was talking to someone and I would say, well, you know, you might want to think about coming in for a downsize at X time. And they'd say, oh, I'm a student somewhere. Now, I kind of look at it as pretty detrimental because of how blind that uh, referral system has gotten. Uh, I know that you've dealt with it. It's a point of frustration for you. It's a point of frustration for me. When you get a cold contact from a client, someone you've never worked with, someone who hasn't been pierced by you, and they've just kind of been told either um, you know, implicitly or explicitly, go to this other studio and they will do the rest of your service. They'll do your downsize when you need it. A really big point of frustration for me is how arbitrary that, that timeline seems to be for some studios or, or how like unnecessarily rigid it is. I get it all the time. People email and they're like, this studio said that I had to have my piercing downsized at four weeks. I want to make an appointment. Or even worse, they just make an appointment and come in for their downsize at four weeks without any sort of like checkup, without sending a photo, without talking to us. And how many appointments, how much time has been wasted in our studio? And again, I don't want to have it sound like I'm trying to like, you know, be Mr. Penny Pincher, but it is a waste of time when someone comes in for a scheduled appointment we look at their piercing for five seconds and say, I'm sorry, you're not ready for a downsize. It might not be four weeks for everyone. It might be six weeks. It might be seven weeks for some people. So just saying you need to go to this studio, make an appointment, take their time at four weeks without them even seeing it, that can be really detrimental to a studio that's as small as yours, as small as mine, where we have very limited resources on how many appointments we can manage in a day. Again, 
Some studios are giant, they're factories. They can take 50 services in a day. I can't do that in my studio. You can't do that in your studio. So if somebody comes in for a downsize when they're not ready, it's really just a waste of our time. It's, you know, it's a waste of the client's time, but it's probably like not as big of a deal to them as it is to us because that time could have been a new piercing that was generating revenue for me and my staff and, and all these other things. So how does that go for you? Because I know that you've dealt with that frustration before. I've been dealing with that for years and years and years. It's happened twice in the last month um, that I've had someone referred from another studio. And much like yourself, I'm thrilled when I get referrals. I've had people come into my little shop in Glasgow from every corner of the world. I had someone in from Bahrain the other week. And I was just, I was just like, thank you so much that someone in Bahrain is like, yeah, go and see Lola and Glad like that's mind blowing to me. I love it. And they, and that was actually a terrific interaction. Um, but with, with that, you know, with the, the smooth comes the rough as well. And you also get situations where clients are or clients are angry at you that they're not ready to be downsized. I've had that before where someone's like, well, they told me to come in and get it done. Right. And or I'm they like, think you're an idiot. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sure they did, but that doesn't change the fact that this is still very swollen. It looks fine. It just needs a bit more time. And it kind of feels like they think that I'm making it up because they've been told something else. So I think part of it is, first of all, Make sure your clients understand what downsizing is supposed to look like and feel like what it actually is. So it's not just a date on a calendar that may or may not apply. That's why on my aftercare sheets, I do have the actual photos to show this is what you're looking for or something like this so that they can actually understand because that's the first thing I'll do is I'll take out my aftercare sheet, I'll show them the picture and straight away they'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense and they'll get it. Um, I had uh, another incident this this last month with a client whose jewellery was not compatible with mine. And that was a, a situation where we came very close to a breakage, but managed to avoid that from happening. Um, and I, I just had to say to them, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this piece that you're wearing, it's, you know, I tried multiple brands, again, at my own expense to try and make something work for them. Couldn't come up with anything that was compatible. And all I could say was, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'll, all I can do is do a full change on the piece and suggest that you, you know, when you're able to visit the original place, have them downsize it. You're also going to have those issues as well sometimes. So I think that if you are going to be sending someone to other places, give them a, a good idea of what that process will be like. If I, if someone says to me and I'm piercing someone and they're like, oh, I'm going to go to Spain or France or Germany and, you know, in the next couple of months, I'll be happy to refer them to somewhere or refer them to a resource where they can get referrals for somewhere. But I'll always be very clear, you know, call ahead, email ahead. Um, you know, you'll, you'll probably be required to purchase either jewelry or a service with them, you know, as opposed to having it done here, just to make sure that they understand they can't just tip up another studio thousands of miles away and be taken care of like they'll have any idea who I am or what we did because they won't, you know. Something that I've found to be extremely helpful for my own clients in my own studio is um, any piercing where they can't see both sides of it. Uh, helix piercings and conch piercings are going to be very much top of that list. Um, as soon as we're done with the piercing, I say, oh, do you have your phone handy? Can you get it ready for a photo, please? I just want to explain something about the back of your piercing. And I take a photo of the back of the piercing on day one that shows how much slack is visible. And I say, okay, now take a good look at this. This is the slack that's there on day one. Now that slack's for the healing process. 
Some days you'll wake up and it'll be a little bit swollen or puffy. It'll be using all of that slack. Um, some days it'll be using you know most of that slack, but not all of that slack. And then I want to explain, this is your starter jewelry. This is your healing jewelry. This is your initial jewelry. It will need to be downsized. It will need to be shortened. Sometimes that is um, you know, a strong suggestion, sometimes that is a, a requirement for the piercing to stay healthy, but you want to understand like, you know, what jewelry is day one versus you know, what jewelry is down the road. Now, what I'll tell them is uh, usually a range. I don't arbitrarily just say four weeks because like, nobody heals on the same schedule. So I'll say, you're probably going to want to have this downsized maybe somewhere around like you know, five to seven weeks, four to eight weeks, whatever your, your target is your recommendation is, I'll say, hang on to this photo for reference, and then in four weeks, and six weeks, and whatever weeks, take roughly the same photo from roughly the same, the same angle, and then look at how much slack is sticking out. If you don't see any slack sticking out, you're not ready for a downsize yet. If you do see slack sticking out, you might wanna go ahead and, and you know schedule an appointment with us or, or contact another studio. Those photos are also great for reference because if they email me and say, hey, am I ready for a downsize? I can say, well, go ahead and send me a, a photo of the back of your piercing. I'll take a look at it and I'll say like, yeah, totally. Go ahead and book in on our website or maybe we wait an extra week, wait an extra two weeks, something like that. That is what I would love to see people start getting into the habit of rather than just like putting it in the client's head of you have to do it at this magical date because a lot of people aren't gonna be ready at that magical date. And if they go into another studio that's not your studio, all they're gonna be doing is wasting that studio's time. And again, I don't wanna seem like I'm rude and I'm trying to keep people out of my studio, but I have limited resources and I need to make sure that I use them efficiently, otherwise it's just a waste of everyone's time. Well, I think it's good to remember that as small business owners, we're often put in this position where like profitability is a dirty word, you know, and anything that suggests that you make a living doing what you do, it's very, very taboo and you right. don't ever want to talk about it. But we're, we are constantly hemorrhaging money for so many bills that go to so many people that really don't give a shit what we have to do to make that money. We kind of set ourselves to a different standard that says, you know, I'll, I'll do the, the, the absolute most that I can, even if it means I make the minimum, service as many people as I can, have all my bills paid, we start to hold ourselves to this impossible standard that says it's, it's not okay to be compensated for my time, which just doesn't work if you're trying to maintain a brick and mortar property, which is incredibly expensive. And that's something I've had to kind of make peace with this past year with inflation and what things have been like in the UK with the energy crisis is reconciling the fact that I want my services to stay as affordable as they can, but at the same time, I can't be losing money on a daily basis because my overheads have gotten so great. And that's, that is a difficult thing to reconcile when you're someone who doesn't want to, you know, put clients out too greatly in terms of their expense, but you also have this growing expenditure on your side. It It is a difficult thing to balance. So I think that sometimes, you know, it can be good to talk about things like your time is valuable. You do have to be doing a certain amount of work in it. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, we don't like to talk about it. It is like a dirty word, an ugly word to talk about profitability. But why are we pretending that we live in a world where that's not a necessity for operating my businesses when unfortunately it is, you know? Well, I would like to talk uh, about utilizing time efficiently. And I would also like to mention that we are going to be doing another paid webinar. Are we? 
in May. Remember oh. I told you? Oh, yeah, you did. So um, I'll be there. We do have an exact date, but I don't want to get up and pick up my phone, and I have forgotten the exact date. I will tell you it's in May of 2023, and this will be technique-based. Our last webinar, by the way, thank you so much to everyone who signed up. We talked about jewelry sales. You talked about transitioning away from external thread jewelry. Yeah, and I really talked fun. about ethical sales strategies. I loved it. I loved that day. Yeah. Um, it went well, and a lot of people were already asking if we were going to have any going going forward in the future. And yes, we are. We're going to have a class available in May. Um, you can go to ryanpba.com, and you can uh, click on the Google form, and you can read a little bit more about it. It's so new that I haven't really bothered like hitting people over the head on Facebook about it just yet, but you can go to ryanpba.com and get info. Technique-based, I'm going to be talking about um, nipple piercings, including inverted nipples, HRT affected nipples, and you are going to be talking about bridge piercings. Bridge I'm piercings. going to be doing another deep dive class on bridge piercings, um, and this is about uh, the modern history of the bridge piercing, techniques of bridge piercing, aftercare, troubleshooting. Um, there are uh, video material that we're going to look at together of me performing bridge piercings, um, both freehand and tool based. Um, I wanted to include both to try and assist you know different types of piercers that might be watching and um, yeah I just I really like bridge piercings I'm a big fan of them I always have been and you're really good at them too thank you um, because there there has been a bit of a resurgence of them in the last few years I really wanted to take the opportunity to make a class about them because there might not be another time that's as good as this um, I taught the class at UKPP last year I and taught BMX. it I taught it at BMX last year um, and uh, both times I was I was very, very happy with it. And no doubt I'll keep working on it like I do with all my classes. I try and keep them active and up to date. But I, I'm really pleased with it, as pleased as I was with my PA class. I'm as pleased with the, the bridge class in terms of the content. So I feel very strongly that if you're someone who wants to, to be better at bridge piercings or kind of struggles with them, I think that this would be a really helpful class at turning them from being kind of like a worrying piercing, almost in that sort of septum realm, to being something that's actually really fun, because I find them fun. I've gotten a lot stronger with my bridge piercings after watching you perform some and, you know, watching, watching your class. And uh, it, it was a really good class. I know that you you know, put it forward as, as something you were available to teach at the APP conference, but it's a pretty packed schedule this year. It wasn't selected as one of the classes, and Ooh. I think it's really good <laughs> to, to offer it as a webinar for the American piercers that want to be able to see it, the people who weren't lucky enough to be at UK APP or, or BMXNet. And uh, same thing with my nipple class. I taught it at both of those events, and I got really positive feedback. Um, we were just talking about it before we recorded this episode. I, I've had a lot of piercers contact me and say that uh, my method for in inverted nipples specifically has been really beneficial for them. So I wanted to talk about that. Um, I do have some, some video content available too, and I'm going to make a, a special online folder of videos, your bridge videos, my nipple piercing videos that will be available to everyone who, who registers for the class. So go ahead and check that out, ryanpba.com. You can get all the info, you can get signed up, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about it more as it approaches. Uh, going back to the downsize thing, the timeline is very important, but I also wanted to talk about all the various, maybe not all, but some of the various um, liability issues that can come up related to downsizing. One big thing that I want to talk about is 
I don't install any outside jewelry. So some studios might take the opportunity to, um, to do an extra add-on sale to say, hey, you will need a downsize. Would you like to buy that post now? Some studios just incorporate their downsize post into their piercing fee, into their service fee. So the client might leave with their downsize post, maybe even already in a, a, a sterilized pouch. Sometimes those clients might try to bring that into a different studio and I want to say really firmly even if it is a brand that I carry in my studio I do not install jewelry that was not sold by my studio Partly because I need to be absolutely sure that it's a brand that I'm comfortable using. I'm an APP member I will only use APP verifiable materials there are so many companies out there now making threadless backings and you know and I know that not all of them have verifiable material so I'm not willing to um, just take someone's word for it that they did buy that that same quality piece that we're carrying even if they did like it goes back to the same thing like why should I be doing that work for free if it's so simple you could be able to do it yourself but if it's something that you require a professional you have to support that professional um, I don't charge a lot for a downsize post if we're talking a threadless backing that's a $15 sale and I'm probably going to add on maybe a five to ten dollar service fee for it I don't think it's outrageous for me to charge $25 to downsize a piercing if it's the first time you've ever been in my studio if you're already a client in my studio if you got your piercing in my studio chances are we're probably going to drop that service fee um, just charge you for the downsize post, but there's a whole bunch of things that go into it And I'm sure there's more that you can think of too. Oh, yeah um, So this is a problem. I remember first posting about this six or seven years ago in a forum um, Basically saying because I, I did have a client you complained about it before it was cool. I did. Yeah um, Statistically though, I complain about so much that sometimes that stuff just happens by accident So what happened was a client? Uh, well, I say a client I always say a client a person I've never met came into my place of work wanting to have a piece of jewelry changed. And I can't recall if this was just a change out or if it was a downsize, but basically they had jewelry with them and they said, you know, I've purchased this from X place, from X piercer, and they've told me that you'll fit it. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I don't fit outside jewelry. We're, we're very clear about that. When you say I, fit, you mean install. Yeah. Um, She's British. Fit, install outside jewelry and they were furious they were very very angry and upset and I think they were angry and upset because the purchase of the jewelry had very much hinged on somebody installing it and in my head I was like well that's that's misleading then but it's not me that's misled you you know it's the person that that sold you that piece of jewelry if this if me if I was already if I was always an intrinsic part of this plan without my knowing then yeah you've been missold that jewelry basically um, and that happened a couple of times with various clients who were like, oh, well, I wouldn't have bought it if I'd have known that no one would fit it for me. And I think that that was, that was what led me to make the post was having to like defend myself several times um, to clients that I'd never met who had work done by piercers I'd never spoken to who were, oh yeah, Lolo will put this in, buy this and Lolo will put it in. And, and I just had to say like, stop doing that because it's very dishonest and it's because the buck stops with me, it's me they're gonna yell at and it's me that they are yelling at. That happened multiple times. It still happens today though to, to less of an extent because I think a few more places now are a bit more um, willing to say like, you know, if you're looking to have this fitted, you're gonna have to reach out and ask and I, I can't guarantee someone will fit this for you. But I have had numerous instances since I opened Forest, specifically with downsizing, specifically with people being supplied um, pre-packaged -pre sterile librettes to be fitted. And I've had to say, well, 
I can sell you a librette and fit it for you. It's an inexpensive piece of jewellery. I don't even have an installation charge or a service charge for that. Just buy the librette, I'll be happy to put it in. But if what you're saying is you just want to bring in this jewellery that you bought somewhere else for the piercing you had done somewhere else with the end piece you had done somewhere else, I have to ask how my business is supposed to sustain itself based off of that, you know? Right. Um, and the thing that really pushed me over the edge was seeing that, uh, and it wasn't just one place, it's actually numerous places. When you go on their websites, they also explicitly say they don't fit outside <laughs> jewelry. So I'm like, why are you giving people jewelry away with them? Why are you giving people jewelry and saying, go here, go there, when you would refuse to do this for somebody? So if you're giving your clients instructions to go into other studios that you wouldn't fulfill yourself, please reassess. Just take a second, examine the situation. You know, uh, I, I would also like to add in that a lot of our uh, preferences, opinions on these matters are because you are a small business owner, I am a small business owner, and our small businesses are quite a bit smaller than some other small businesses. You know, so we have our, our you know, personal limitations, personal preferences, personal responsibilities, and, and all these different things. Sometimes when I look at the analytics of a week, if it's a day where it's mostly new piercings, I can look at the daily total and be like, that's a great day. And then if I look at another day that's like really slumped in that week, a fully booked day, but it's down 60% to all the other days around it, I'll get a little bit more like, you know, deep into the analytics and I'll look at what those services were. Were they new piercings? Were they jewelry changes? You know, I'll talk to Evan about it and I'll be like, why was this day down so much? And sometimes he'll be like, well, all of it was just this stuff where they were like booked and they came in, you know, they didn't contact, contact us ahead of time, but same thing. Another studio said, go there and they'll downsize it. Go there and they'll finish this service essentially. You know, uh, health and wellness checks that are completely unnecessary. When our website says, you know, before you book in for a health or wellness check, under this body jewelry sales and service appointment, please just give us a call, please just give us an email, or please email us a clear photo of your piercing, and we can tell you if you actually need to come in for something, or if it's something where we can just tell you on the phone, everything looks healthy, everything looks fine, just continue healing, we'll see you in a few weeks when you're actually ready for a downsize. It's a huge detriment to a small business when even like one or two days out of a week are down, you know, 20%, 40%, 60% from where they should be because that money, otherwise, that's what goes to paying the staff, ordering new jewelry, ordering new supplies, and just in general, keeping your studio healthy and strong, keeping it growing. And if all those things are held back because clients want more things for less money, it's just eventually going to start putting shops out of business. And I don't want to be like a a panic monger or anything, but that's really what it is. Like if you want businesses to exist, to be able to go in for downsizes and retainers and last minute things and health and wellness checks, they have to be earning a living. Like there's just no other way around it. And I'm sorry if that sounds cold, but it's just the way the world works now. Well, I've, I've had that experience before as well, where I've had um, clients come in for health checks without there being anything wrong because they've been advised by their piercer, which is completely their prerogative, and I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but they've been advised by their piercer to just have it checked up on after a month. Right. Some, some places do that, and it's not a bad idea. Like, I'm not suggesting it's a bad idea. And back during a time where we took walk-ins, not a problem at all to drop in, have someone take a quick look. But when you're working private appointment only, I make, at most, 
a quarter of the amount of money that I need to make to cover my bare minimum overheads doing wellness checks. So 25% of the bare minimum of what I need to make is what I can make doing wellness checks. So it's it's not enough to pay the, the rent on the property basically. So I offer them as a necessity and something that I, I have to offer. Um, and I do email as well. And I would always rather, if I get the opportunity to see a problem up close in real life, I just think it's better. So I'm always gonna offer that service. But when you have days where you see a couple of clients and they come in and you say, what seems to be the trouble? What can I help with? And they say, oh, everything's fine. I just need you to look at it. And you're just like, yep. really? I get really? that all the time. Like, <laughs> luckily. just emailed me a picture. Luckily, I get, you know, our, our town is much smaller than Glasgow. You know, our, our client base is much smaller. So we're very fortunate that a lot of people call or email first and they say, oh, I just want to come in and have somebody take a look at my piercing. And it's like, rather than just being like, Why? You know, it's always just like, oh, you know, is there an issue with it? Is it sore? Do you have unexpected discharge? You know, how old is it? Blah, 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 blah. You know, whatever it might be. And most of the time we can say like, well, there's really no need to, to come in. You know, if you're concerned about anything, why don't you start with a photo? And then if we see anything troubling or concerning, you know, please come on in. We're happy to take a look at it if there's anything to look at. But again, it just goes back to that thing of like, you know, let's say, let's imagine a world where you only have 12 spots available in a day do you want to be using up one of those spots to take a 10 second look at something and be like, yep, it's perfectly healthy. You know, I'm not saying to ignore clients. I'm not saying to like, you know, cut those different courtesy services completely, but you do have to have an efficient day. So what I like to do now is um, rather than saying like, you know, rely on us for any little thing, I always say, here's our card. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to get in touch with us. We'll be back to you as soon as possible. You know, give us a call, give us an email, send us a photo, all those things. That's what I try to tell people first. Not just show up, not just show up, not just book in. Call us or email us first and then whatever we need, you know, we'll take care of it for you. We want to get you in. We want to resolve any sort of issue. But like if there is no issue to resolve, let's do it electronically, please. Yeah. And similarly with the with switching things out to retainers at the last minute if someone does send across a picture and it's in any way alarming at this point i don't even stress emailing back and forward i just say look i'm going to block off a time for you at the end of the day so it's there guaranteed we can keep emailing back and forth about this but there's a space for you at the end of the day you can come see me when i close if i'm full and i'll look at it before i go home because i don't want you to be left with this sure. i've done that more times than i can count i'll always do it i'm happy to do it um, you tell yeah. me so many times in a week, like, oh, I'm just going to stay a little bit late and I'm going to do this check or I'm just going to stay a little bit late or do that. Right. We do that all the time too. You know, like we will, we'll call somebody, we'll bend over backwards. We'll be like, you know, we have, we have 15 minutes open here. We can stay here. We can come in early tomorrow. You can come in on my lunch break. Like we want to help out everybody with every problem. But a lot of these people, there is no issue. They just want the reassurance that everything is still fine. Yeah. And we can do a lot of that through email. Um, so that's one of the other things to go back to my, my checklist. I'm just thinking in my head of the little kind of disclaimers that I have on my website about I've been pierced somewhere else can forest help me. Um, one of the other things is we don't insert outside jewelry, even if it's come from somewhere awesome, even if it's come in a sterile packet, because it's not okay, we'll do it with these caveats. It's I personally, and I think that you and me are maybe a bit different on this, I'm not sure. I don't like saying 
yes for some, no for others. I'll dis- I'll decide. I'll just you know make it up on the day. Yeah, I like you have to a policy. have. I like to have a clear policy that applies to everyone. I feel like policies that don't apply to everyone are, especially when it comes to things like jewelry quality, a little classist. Um, Obviously, I appreciate the irony of saying that as someone that sells verified titanium and solid gold. Obviously, I'm super pro high quality implant grade jewelry, but there are a lot of people out there wearing various qualities of jewelry. And I really don't want to go down the path of saying, well, I'll help you because you look like you spent a lot of money, but I won't help you because I think your jewelry is trash. You're going to have to. I just it makes me very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I would really rather just say, you know what? I don't care where you've had this done, how much you spent, how much or how little. I'll be happy to help you. But you'll need to, you know, purchase a retainer, purchase a downsizing post. And that's it. It's simple. And I'm not showing favoritism for certain brands or certain piercers. And listen, some unverified titanium looks pretty damn good. That's why there is a verifying program now, because it has gotten harder and harder to tell great quality from good quality from not so good quality. It's not as clean cut as a great looking piece of jewelry and a bad looking piece of jewelry. That's the whole reason there are programs like this now. So if someone's saying, well, I can look at the jewelry and tell, I'm not sure that that's always going to be the case you so know we walked past a studio in Amsterdam and mm-hmm. it looked like in a very touristy part of town we stopped and looked in their their front uh, window display and it was full of jewelry that uh, someone with an uneducated eye would look at it and be like look at all that beautiful gold jewelry and then we looked at the price and it was like 12 euro 15 euro and you're like no way is that solid gold and it's like, again, it gets very murky. It gets very complicated to tell like what's good stuff and what's not good stuff. You don't want to find out that something is not good stuff halfway through changing it when you accidentally break it. But I do also want to talk more about downsize stuff and like various liabilities where it starts to become a slippery slope. Um, let's imagine a, a scenario where somebody gets pierced in another studio uh, they come in to have something downsized, and even if it's a, a high-quality piece of jewelry, you know, even if you are being as careful as possible, like what happens if the jewelry breaks? We all know that pins can break. We all know that pins can break relatively easy from even some very reliable companies. So what happens if a, a piece of jewelry breaks, you know, and you didn't sell it? What happens if it's a piece of jewelry from a company that you don't carry? You know, like how do you how do you handle that scenario? Do you say like, well? I guess I'll just give you a free piece out of my stock that I paid for and like, you know, I've received almost no money from you. Um, let's say that like, you know, you you install jewelry from somewhere else and then a month goes by and a stone falls out of it or a threaded piece unthreads and falls off or whatever and they're going to they're gonna message you and they're going to say, you are incompetent, you installed it incorrectly, now it's broken, now it's damaged, now you're liable even though I didn't buy it from you. I can't remember it in great detail, but there was an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David finds a watch. I can't remember. I think it was David Schwimmer. So I think that David Schwimmer loses his watch. Larry David finds it and then says, oh, I found your watch. But then Larry David loses it. And then David Schwimmer's like, so you owe me a watch. It was in your possession and you lost it. And he's like, but you already lost it. And he was like, yeah, but then you found it and lost it. And it becomes this whole thing. And it's very much like that. Like who touched it last? Who's responsible? And I have had a piece of gold jewelry break on removal. Same. Um, And unfortunately, that client was an angel. They were the first people to be like, oh, you know what? Like it did feel a bit weird when I put it on. I really like, you know, it was really like really stuck on there. 
Um, and I've managed to avoid that situation happening again, thankfully, but I did make uh, an alteration to my policy after that, where I now explicitly tell any client who's just purchasing a downsize, but who's retaining their original end piece, like just to make you aware, we're not covered for breakages for this. Our sales policy, our sales guarantee does not extend to replacing items that were purchased elsewhere. If it breaks, you're gonna have to return it to the person you purchased it from. Which because, is great, and it yeah. immediately makes me think that I need to put that in my release yeah, form. Yeah, and it's, I, I, usually, I do try and reassure people. I say, look, I know this is really, really unlikely, but I just have to let you know, just on the off chance. And I've removed some jewelry for people that has had a very chewed up pin that looks like it's been either taken on and off a bunch of times or bent multiple times where it looks like it's something that could have broke because this is something that's been used over and over and it's not completely out of the realms of reality that it could break or snap and if it snaps in your hand you need to have had some kind of policy in place for that to help prevent an awkward situation like that from happening. I've had so many issues come up where it's like this was a really nice piece of jewelry uh, before you probably had it initially installed. I've had like $500 BVLA seam rings that were installed improperly and now the seam is like embedded in the center of a piercing and it's like I can't I can't even take this out because it wasn't installed properly initially and now like it's kind of ruined your piercing where if I take it out you have no piercing anymore. I've had threaded pieces that were uh, very obviously cross-threaded but just forced onto a, a piece where it's like it's on but it's not coming back off you know and like I've had all kinds of issues come up not trying to like slam other studios because no. like you know we can make mistakes too one of the most annoying things that I've ever had to deal with is I bought this jewelry when I was in a completely different city at a completely different time from a completely different studio and now it's broken and they, they told me to contact you and that you would handle the return for me because you carry this brand. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, I, I didn't even sell it and now you want me to accept like liability of shipping it back to the company to get it repaired for you with like no cost, you know, like all these things. I remember um, somebody brought in a pair of uh, marquee stone eyelets from Anata Metal not cheap jewelry, you know, not cheaply made jewelry, really excellently uh, put together jewelry, but all the tips of the marquee gems were all cracked and shattered. Mm -hmm. Some of them had fallen out of settings because the person just never took care of their jewelry. And then like they were told by the person who sold it to them, oh yeah, Anata Metal has a lifetime guarantee on all their jewelry. I contacted Anata Metal and they're like, they don't, do they? No. No. <laughs> Anata Metal was like, oh, we're not going to cover that because like it's, it's, you know, it wasn't taken care of and that's why all these stones are broken and popped right. out of the setting. We can repair it for X amount of money, but that's going to come out of your account because you're the one sending it back to us. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and it, it turned into this whole thing yeah. where it was like, you're telling me that it's going to cost me you know, however much money to get somebody else's jewelry that was purchased somewhere else repaired and I have to pay shipping costs back to you. And it just turned into this whole thing of just like, what exactly do you think my business is meant to do? You know, like it, it turned into this whole ridiculous yeah. thing. A lot, I mean, that's a whole other episode in and of itself, sure. but a lifetime guarantee and manufacturer defects aren't the same thing. A, a lifetime guarantee for manufacturer defect is against manufacturer's manufacturer defects. defect. That means that something has happened at 
the manufacturers yeah they set point a stone properly or whatever um, where something like that has happened and that is what's caused it to break not because you stand on it yeah. or because your dog chews it up that's wear not a tear, manufacturer defect wear and tear is not the same thing as manufacturer defects nor right. is improper installation improper handling or just like beating up a piece of jewelry you know i had okay here's a here's a good scenario that's very rare i had a client buy a mini moody from BVOA, oh, right. one of those things where it's like multiple concentric rings with like a, a clicker, a, a, you know, a clicker mechanism. They took it out, they put it down on their coffee table. Their dog chewed it up and swallowed it. <laughs> so, so, they they contacted me and they're like, "My dog swallowed the jewelry," and I was like, "Well, bummer," you know. And then uh, the next day, they called me back and said, "Oh, I got the jewelry back." Uh, and I was like, "How?" And you know how? Yeah. Um, and then they were like, yeah, it's all like chewed up and the, the clicker mechanism is all messed, you know, so I wanted to get it sent back to BVLA. I should think so. It's been it, through a dog's digestive system. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. But, but like, you know, <laughs> they had spent like hundreds and hundreds of dollars on it. And it's not like they could just drop it on, you know, that same amount yeah. of another piece. So I was like, wash it as thoroughly as you can with soap and water, please. You know, do whatever you can to clean it. They brought it back in. I, I, I processed it like any used jewelry, sent mm-hmm. it back to BVLA with an explanation and, and BVLA called me back and they're like, what happened to this jewelry? And I explained and it was just, we were just laughing hysterically on the phone. And, you know, and I'm, I think that person today is probably wearing it in their septum, you know, yeah. and it's just like ridiculous scenarios will come up, but it's like, you know, at a certain point. That's not a manufacturer's defect. Right. There is no there. There should be no you know understanding that like the company's just going to fix it for free forever. So um, obviously, I I have um, a sales policy in my studio that I've tried to make as generous and as open as possible to try and help customers shop with confidence. But there is going to be a point where you know what you've you've purchased this thing, you've been wearing it for months or years everything's been fine with it. If something has happened to it in your possession and it has now broken, neither myself nor the manufacturer can be financially responsible for that. We can assist you with having the piece repaired or whatever it is that needs doing to it, but there is sometimes a cost to maintaining your own property. And that's something else that as the industry has rapidly expanded into using jewelry that has a higher and higher value, we're not often real clear about. So that's something that I've been trying to be clear about with people this last year is what's guaranteed, what isn't, what your rights are so that people understand what their rights are at a minimum. I think making sure people have gateways to understand like this is what we can do for you. This is what we're choosing to do for you. And this is what we won't do for you. I think that that's really important for studios to grow into. Well, you know, what you're what you're saying is kind of a theme that I would like to start tying together is, number one, what are your studio policies? If yeah. you can't even answer what your own studio policies are, sit down and work it out with your staff, with the studio owner, with the piercers, the counter staff, all that stuff. Figure it out. You know, figure out what it is. It's like... What jewelry will we install? What jewelry will we not install? What is our policy for referrals? What is our policy for accepting work from referrals? You need to have all that stuff figured out so that you're not just trying to like wing it in the moment. Everybody uh, in any piercing position in your studio, whoever's answering the phone, whoever's handling the front counter, whoever is providing the services, they should all understand what those policies are and what those policies specifically are not. 
when it comes to you know outside referrals, really try to think about the fact that other studios might have different policies than the personal policies in your studio. And if your service, if your sale hinges on, okay, we need to be able to refer you to somewhere else, talk to those other studios first or tell the client to contact those studios first before they book in. You don't want to make yourself look like a fool. You don't want to make the other studio look like an ogre or, or whatever else. So, you know, try to think about policies. Try to think about policies in a world where, like, things cost money, you know? Yeah, I think that that's the main takeaway for me is, like, don't expect another studio to do something that you yourself actively refuse to do. And don't wave off concerns about other studios. If a client says to me, you know, I'm going to be traveling to this place or that place, are they going to be able to help me? I'm not, I'm not ever going to say like, definitely just go in, they'll do whatever you need to be, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure they understand that it's a different business. There are different staff, different policies. What I'll say is I know this is a reputable studio. I'm sure they'll be happy to help you. Just contact them in advance, find out what you would need to book and how best they can assist you. I don't imply that it's something that's going to be free or that it's going to be a guarantee that they can just walk in and they'll know all about it because we don't know each other. I think that that's a really clear differentiation because those are the most egregious situations I've been in with clients where they're very cross and angry that they've spent potentially a lot of money on something that they now either can't use or can't maintain because they were given information that wasn't entirely truthful. And I would like to give people the benefit of the doubt and think that it's not a deliberate act, but when it happens over and over and over again, it becomes a deliberate act. Mm -hmm. You know, the body piercing industry is no longer the land of milk and honey. Um, was, was, where did I miss the milk and honey? Obviously, I've come into it at the wrong time. For me, it's never been milk. Buckfast and chips, maybe, but never milk and honey. Well, uh, so, you know, that, that same um, piercer who posted, like, you know, they were very disappointed because they have that kind of um, idea, idea that, you know, body piercing is all things for all people. And, like, you know, we should do everything we possibly can to do everything we possibly can. And it's like, yes, you know, that's what my studio goals are also. That's what your studio goals seem to be also. Yeah, they actually, they've referred someone to me before. Yeah. Thank you. But, you know, there there is the reality of it too. You know, that same client that probably called you and said, oh, I've been told no by these six other piercers. Was it something where they were just like, hey, I want to come in in five minutes and have my retainer changed? And that studio was like, nope. And it's like, well, you know, I'd probably say nope also. If it's the whole like, you know, um, I, I, I will agree that it is kind of crummy if you say like, we're only willing to downsize if you get a new back and a new front, yeah. like, you know, you do want to have some flexibility to help people maintain their body piercings. Right. And not everything can be or should be a full charge service, but there's definitely going to be a lot more in the middle than anything at either pole. Yeah. So you have to be flexible. You have to be realistic. We all have our own different limitations. We all have our own different policies try to be understanding of each other but if what you're trying to get frustrated about is what's going on in another studio you know maybe try to change your expectations for what other studios are doing if you can offer like a, a level of excellence a level a level of service where you can do all things for all people at all times awesome you're doing better than i am because i can't do that but you know I want to have understanding on both sides of it yeah. i want to have some acceptance and i want to try to give people as much slack as possible Plus, like, I don't know if I'm just kind of cheesy or whatever, but if I'm sending someone to another studio where a friend works, I want that person to buy stuff at that studio. Like, if I'm like, you know, 
go to go and see Seb and Marie at Highland Hyacinth, go and see Nikki at Blue Lotus, you know, go and see Helen at Holier than there, go and see Nikki at Bold and Gold. You know, if I'm if I'm sending someone to one of those studios, I want them to spend money there and support those small businesses, just like I would hope and have been um, sent customers from those studios who want them to patronize my business, you know? So yeah. like, it's not that I want to get something from a friend's business for free. It's that I want people to go and spend money in those businesses. So yeah. I, I know that's kind of just a, a sentimental thing for me, but like, I would never be like, here, I'm gonna give you this jewelry, take it to this other relatively new or small so business that free. I know. And just, yeah, just they'll put it in for you for free. I would, I would, I would take way. that. Try to look at it this way. Can you think of a single restaurant where you can bring in your own steak and ask them to cook it for you for free? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Anyway, we can go down a long, long hole. Well, that's the point is that like this was just a little spark of conversation from a completely reasonable source of frustration um, from a, that came from a really good place that actually sparked like all of these different avenues of thought and like how sometimes something as simple as why don't you just do it, you know, is actually more complicated. Nuance. Um, yeah, um, as, especially as, I mean, some of these situations we've discussed haven't just happened to me once or twice. They've happened to me enough that Dozens. I have I have a policy on it. Like, yeah. that, do you know how often something has to happen before I actually log into my website and write a policy for it? Like, yeah. but you know, several times. Well, you know, I, I wanna thank anybody who, um, you know, posted on that thread, you know, I, I read a lot of those comments and a lot of it was very passionate. A lot of yeah. it hinged around like, yeah, but you, you got to be able to like be compassionate and try to help everybody. And it's like, yes, I, I want to get there too. But like, we still got to pay our bills. So um, speaking of paying bills, uh, I would very much like it if you would give patreon.com slash Ryan PBA a chance. It's, what me? Well, yeah, you can too. But like, you know, it's 15 bucks a month. Uh, and there's so much content on there. I don't even want to get into it, but there's hours and hours and hours of video content available to you on there. Lots of narrated piercing content, and I have a lot more on the way. We've got our webinar uh, available for registration now, uh, coming up in, in May on nipple piercing and bridge piercing. You and I will both be at this year's uh, Association of Professional Piercers Conference in Las Vegas. We'll be yes. teaching safe practices in the piercing room, and, and we'll be doing a special live episode of the Piercing Wizard podcast as part of the Alternative to the Bar uh, entertainment for those that um, don't want to have uh, alcohol-soaked fun in Las Vegas. You can come and watch a live Piercing Wizard podcast, and we are trying to work out some interesting topics and, and interesting guests for you. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, uh, Slola Slider, for talking to me on this episode. And uh, thank you, Orion Willett. Where can where can people find you on the internet? They can't find me. You can find me, Ryan PBA, on uh, Instagram, and who cares? Anyway, don't find me. I love you. Bye. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.